Welcome to Judgment Days, where we explore matters of religion, religious history and faith, and their impact on the world. I'm your host, Albert, and along with my co-host, Michael, we welcome you to join us on this journey. Uh, So today we're talking about a touchy subject uh, that I uh, never thought to ask about, but I guess we were watching a movie or something, as we always do, and it came up. Uh, today, we're going to discuss Satan. Hmm. I'm curious to know how he's portrayed. We know how he's portrayed in, in the culture, of course, uh, but how is he portrayed in the Bible, and how does he, how's he spoken of in the three Western religions, Christianity, Islam, and, and Judaism? Um, so I guess my first question here is, I, I know Satan to have several names, and those are... Well, Satan, which means adversary. In Hebrew. Okay. His name is uh, Iblis, and um, at the moment I'm not sure exactly what Iblis means, uh, but that's how he's known in Islam. And uh, of course in Christianity he's known as Satan, Satanas in Spanish, right? Um, he's known as the devil. He's known as the serpent, right? Because they hearken back to the uh, Garden of Eden, which the Satan, Satan the uh, serpent deceived uh, Eve. So there's this kind of idea that he's a serpent. He's a dragon. In the New Testament, there are many allusions to Satan in the New Testament. Where was he first spoken about? Uh, that I'm aware of, uh, I believe he's first found because the book is an ancient book. That would be the book of Job. In? The Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, it's a very ancient book. It's considered to be a parable in form. So I'm going to paint a picture for you of the heavenly court, and I mean the kingly court of God, right? You picture God as king sitting in his court. And it says in the Bible that all the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord on that day, and Satan came also among them. So by sons of God, I mean the angelic beings, these celestial beings. And God asked Satan, where do you come from? Where are you coming from? And Satan says, from walking up and down the earth, from, from, from one end of the earth to the other. And then God says... Have you considered my servant Job? He's an upright man. There's no perfect man like him on earth. He fears me and he rejects evil. And Satan says unto God, yeah, but he has everything he needs. You have a hedge of protection around him. So of course, naturally, he's going to respect and fear you. And then God makes a wager with Satan. And then Satan says to God, take away all these things and you're going to see that he's going to curse you. So God says, okay, I'm going to leave this in your power. Do whatever you want to him, but don't end his life. Don't take his life. Job's children die. Job goes through intense suffering. He gets boils on his body, all kinds of disease. He loses his land. He loses his cattle. His wife even says, curse God and die. Like, just do it. Like, you know what I mean? End it. End the suffering. Um, He has three friends try to console him. They're trying to give a reason for 
The book of Job is primarily concerned with the idea of suffering. Why do we suffer? Is it because of what we do? And if so, why are there good people that suffer? And so Job is somewhat trying to answer that question. Why do good people suffer? Why would a man like Job, who was righteous before God, suffer? Is that Satan's fault that he's suffering? And Satan brings up the challenge to God, and of course God takes him up on the challenge, and God strips Job of his blessings, of his protection. And uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of paragraphs where they go back and forth as to why it could possibly be Job's friends insist that he had done something wrong. He may be a, ignorant of something he did against God. And, but he refuses to curse God. And so Satan is uh, foiled in that, in that story because Job refuses to curse God. He refuses to renounce his God. And God grants him blessings in the endings. He gives him twice as many kids, twice as many cattle. Uh, you know, he's prosperous. He's free of disease. So let me ask you, is Satan in the Bible a bad character in the Old Testament? No, not necessarily. This is the important thing to remember in Judaism and in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Satan plays such a minor role. He's really unimportant. He's really unimportant, like when it comes to day-to-day living or the life of believing Jews. So he was just someone who who had played a small role in the story. Right. Where right. did he now, why is he now ubiquitous and the total embodiment of evil? That would come along with the New Testament. Um, that would come along after the Jews are taken into captivity in Babylon. I feel, this is my personal theory, that the Jews, when they were captive in Babylon, picked up the Babylonian religion, right? And the Babylonian religion was Zoroastrianism, Zoroaster. His thing was that there was a, a, a perfectly good God and a perfectly evil God, and they were like a yin and yang type thing, right? Where they're of equal power battling each other for the souls of men. This would be the religion of Zoroastrianism. I feel that they took back this teaching. And so many of them perceive now Satan as being almost this equal type thing to God. Although the New Testament doesn't teach that either. But in other words, Satan played a more prominent role because there was an evil force in this other religion that influenced Judaism that kind of saw it as a 50-50 proposition. According even to Christian theology, Satan is a, an angel that rebelled against God. And his sin was pride. He said, I would like to ascend and be like God. And so because of this teaching, God punished Satan and banished him from heaven. And, and Jesus says, I saw Satan, Satan falling like lightning from heaven, meaning he was cast out. So in Christian theology, Satan was an angel of God, one of his greatest angels, and then he falls from grace because he desires to be as God. 
And that's the ultimate sin. And God is like, oh, no, no, no. You're just a created being. So in Christian theology, Satan is a created angel, a being, who is now led astray one-third of the angels of heaven. And that's based primarily on the book of Revelation, where Satan takes one-third of the hosts of heaven. So when you hear the word hosts in the Bible, it means like army, like soldiers. So he supposedly sways a third of heaven to follow him. And in New Testament theology, this would be expressed as like demons, right? Sometimes they're described as demons or unclean spirits. So people feel those to be the fallen angels. But that is that story is a Christian story and it really has nothing to do with the original does not have to do with thing. the original Jewish interpretation so, of Jesus. But it was a Jewish belief in the time of Jesus, and now it's codified in the New Testament, right? Why take a character who, from my understanding, wasn't that bad of a character in this this Bible, in this Old Testament, and give him such a reputation now? Well, I think, um, you know, religion is, um, is like a river, and as a river... As a river rushes, you know, downstream or upstream, it picks up things as it goes along, right? The water is rushing past. It may pick up twigs. It may pick up pebbles. It may pick up sediment. And they all collect at the riverbed. And so I think religion is that way, where religion picks up a, a, a very small idea. And as it rolls along that riverbed, it picks up other ideas and incorporates them and it becomes a different thing. Religion evolves just as people evolve and ideas evolve. And so I think by the time of Jesus, that concept had evolved to a much more diabolical creature with much more power and um, something that works independent of God. So Satan now in the New Testament is independent of God, while in the Old Testament, he is in heaven as one of God's court, part of God's court, one of his... Um, Something else has to be up with that then. Like, why take... Because in the New Testament, he falls from heaven, right? Essentially. In the and New becomes, Testament, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But Satan tempts Jesus when Jesus goes into the wilderness after his baptism. So Satan now plays a more prominent role. And there's... Um, or maybe there's a time where Jesus is going out and he's exercising demons and he's healing the sick. And for Jesus, this was an all-out campaign of war against Satan. And so he's battling the forces of darkness late, like every day, daily. You know, so part of that with the demon possession and casting out demons and casting out unclean spirits and healing people was his attack upon the kingdom of darkness. And there is a verse in the Bible where Jesus says, interestingly enough, Jesus portrays it almost as a crime, right? He goes, when you break into somebody's house, don't you first subdue the strong man? And then once you've subdued the strong man in the house, you can plunder and rob the house? So Jesus is in effect saying, for me to invade the kingdom of darkness, I have to first bind the strong man, which would be Satan. So what's the connection between Satan and Lucifer? 
there are some people that see uh, certain other verses where it says, O Lucifer, son of the morning. There's a verse in the Old Testament, I, and I forgot the book and I apologize, um, where it says, you know, Lucifer, son of the morning, you know, you were among God's greats, but God has cast you down. And it um, people believe it's referring to one of the kings at the time of, you know, the book when it was written. I can't remember the book for the life of me right now, but it's been interpreted by Christians to mean this passage also refers to Satan. He was the Lucifer. Lucifer means morning star, right? Like when you wake up in the morning, that first star that you see across the horizon that brings light, right, when it's darkness, that was Lucifer, right? But we don't know if Lucifer is Satan, and I'm not sure that the Jewish people or rabbis or anybody now interpreting the Hebrew scriptures would see that as a reference to Satan, to Shaitan, but I know that Christians did. Christians believe Lucifer is Satan. That Lucifer was another name for Satan, that he was, that that prophecy is referring to him. And you're saying Lucifer not may not necessarily be Satan. No, now he he's most considered likely like a Satan, king but... of the earth, right. It's most likely... Um, I mean, the name Lucifer now is just scary it's to synonym, me. It's synonymous with Satan. But there was a time where it, it just meant son of the morning. And then in Islam, he's known as Iblis. I-B-L-I-S-S, maybe another S at the end of it. But that's this is, of course, the English transliteration. It would be in Arabic, right? But Iblis in Islam is a, an angel of God who rebels against God because at one point when God created man, he gathered his heavenly court and he said, look at my best creation, mankind. I made him from the earth. I want you all to bow to him. And all the angels bowed with the exception of Iblis who said, why should I bow to him? He's made of the earth. I'm made of fire because angelic beings were perceived as being energy, like energy, like fire, like, you know, this powerful, I'm powerful. Why would I bow to this? You made him from dirt. And so in Islamic teaching, the sin of Satan was specifically that he would not bow before man and recognize man's authority over him. So in, in, in both Christianity and Islam, angels serve the purpose of God towards men, right? They're messengers toward men. But Satan in this context, as Iblis, refuses to acknowledge the superiority of God's creation, man as his ultimate expression. So even in Islam, he's seen as someone who rebelled against God. So that's yes, just the story. It's very similar to Christianity. And, you know, looking at the... Uh, the evolution of religion, it makes sense, because Islam was influenced by both Judaism and is, and Christianity. And so it borrows from both traditions. Where do we get the understanding that Satan lives under the earth? Does that come from Hades, Greek mythology? That does come, in a sense, from Hades, Greek mythology. Very good. Um, it comes from the idea also that the book of Revelation says that Satan is bound in hell. And... The Greek word for hell in the New Testament is Hades. Uh, 
there's also another in the Hebrew Bible it would be Sheol. It's the place of the undead, right? The place I mean the place of the dead. This is the place where the dead dwell. It's a mysterious Sheol. place in Sheol. And we don't know where it is really. We don't we know, don't if know it's where under it is, but it's earth. always seen as under the earth because what do we do? We bury people and we put them under the earth, right? right so there's right. this and idea then magma that things come from that, under that, the earth. Yeah, that there's right, that there's something deep down at the core of the earth where there's a place of, of eternal torments. But the Bible doesn't quite tell you where Sheol is. The Bible just makes Sheol beyond the grave somewhere. It's the grave and beyond the grave. And it's not elaborated on in the Old Testament Hebrew Bible. It's pretty much the grave. I mean, at the time of the Hebrew Bible, you didn't go to a heaven or a hell. You just ceased to exist. Hmm, so there was no afterlife. There was no afterlife. The afterlife came when the Jews came back from Babylon, and now they have a concept of a resurrection and a heaven and a hell. It's much more expanded because Babylon had all their religious traditions, and I'm sure they picked some up along the way. So today, what do the Jews believe? Do they believe like the, the today the, the Jews Orthodox? believe in a heaven and a hell? Huh. It's interesting. They're very similar to the Christians. Now, how you go about getting there is a totally different story, but uh, you know, ne and and neither tradition and neither Christianity or Islam or uh, Judaism is Satan running hell. Like Satan is not the boss in hell. Satan is also a trapped being in hell. So, this idea that we have of this kind of red horned, you know, tail with a tail and with a split tongue, like a serpent's tongue, Satan. This is popular culture in um Right, right. But it, it's no reflection on the biblical idea of Satan that um is that Satan goes to suffer in torments and the demons go to suffer in hell. It was created for them. Satanists, let us know. Are you worshiping the Old Testament Satan or the post? <laughs> really? That I think that there's a difference, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, are you worshiping? Well, I think most Satanists today would tell you that Satan is a metaphor for freedom to them. Why? The freedom. Because, because they it's see the counterculture. It's and... counterculture, and it's also against the God of the Bible who they see as one that's prohibiting you from enjoying life. And so Satan becomes in most modern Satan. When you're there's a modern Satanist and they're reading the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey, they're looking at it from the vantage point of this is metaphor for being free of that biblical concept of God who is always trying to stop you from having fun. But what is fun, though? That's the problem. What do they consider that's, fun? It's you know, a like whole nother ball game. That's a you whole nother I mean? podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know, but we see that Satan is an evolving character. Um, and now he has taken on this role. But I think in the minds of the average person, when you bring up the topic of Satan they see him almost as an equal adversary to God. When, if he is an angel created by God, he's a small speck in God's creation. Like God is still in control. Did you see the Sam Smith Grammy, Kim Petra's Grammy performance? I saw clips of it. Is he, is he, was he dressed like the devil? Yeah, he was in yeah. red. And, and I think in pop culture, it's used just to 
cause it's be, controversy. It's used to provoke. Yeah. yeah. It's used to provoke. Um, and I think it's tired, to be honest with you. I'm like, if I see one more pop star try to dress up and say, as Satan, and I'm like, give it a rest. You look, it's so tired. To me, it's so tired. And what's ironic to it's, me. It's not, to me, yeah, you're being countercultural, but you're not being new. You're not being innovative. At this point, to be counterculturist. Who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares? You know? Um, and something interesting I found, speaking of pop culture, Rosemary ba- Rosemary's Baby, where, spoiler alert, her she births Satan, she right? She births Satan. She's a child of Satan, the son of Satan. The son of Satan. Right. Isn't it interesting her name is Rosemary? Like, I almost feel like they're saying Mary, right? Right, right. Um, Jesus' mother, in a way. Right. So. We have an obsession with that idea. Um, and the idea of a possible future ruler, a human being, the Antichrist, right, who is an agent of Satan or maybe even a manifestation of Satan. Uh, and so that is an also that's also another Christian concept that's very much alive in the imagination of believers to this day. So that people talk about, you know, the Antichrist is coming. And they almost see him as a counter-Messiah, right? Like how the Messiah was born mm-hmm. and and he grows up and he... What people? You know, I mean, I Jeez. think, I mean, <laughs> most most people. I think if you were to speak to, um, I can speak only of Americans, I can't. But people grew, who grew up in Christian cultures and in Christian-influenced cultures, they 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 are aware of this idea that the book of Revelation somehow mentions the mark of the beast, the 666. And that this guy, this Antichrist, is well, he's Antichrist, right? He's opposed to Christ. So that he's like a, like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He is a counterfeit Christ. That would be the best right. term. And that he's somehow involved with the devil. Where does 666 come into play? Uh, the 666 is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. It refers to the mark of the beast, so there is a beast that arises from the waters. Most biblical scholars would consider that beast to be Rome, ancient Rome, because Rome was the one that was persecuting and killing the early Christians. And so it says that this beast comes out and the beast, no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark of the beast upon their head and upon their right hand. Who said that? It says in, in the, the book of Revelations. Right. And what the was Mark of, of the Beast? It was 666. And it's the number, and it says, this is wisdom. It is the number of a man, 666. And so, you know, scholars have pondered over what that could mean. And in popular culture, again, people look forward to a time where there might be in the future, this Antichrist comes, this political leader or somebody who is commissioned by Satan to deceive people. And people will believe this guy's like the Messiah. He's the Christ. Uh, but most Bible scholars, you know, really good scholars, recognize that the number 666 refers to Caesar Nero. Because Nero was a persecutor of Christians. If you write out his name in both Hebrew and in Greek, both languages, letters were substitutes for numbers. You could use a Hebrew number and a Hebrew letter are the same characters. 
right? Like, you know how you have Roman numerals and Roman right, letters? Right, yeah. It's kind of a similar thing. So because of that, most scholars, because the name um, um, Caesar Nero, when written in Hebrew and in Greek, comes out to the number 666. Oh, so they were saying he was essentially just a They bat. were saying he was like an evil Caesar and that I think many people at the time of Caesar Nero considered Nero to be the Antichrist. They considered him to be this messenger of Satan, like sent to persecute He's a Christians. very bad guy. Yeah. Right. Huh, but I would demystify that by saying that it is most likely it is Caesar Nero, not some future guy that's coming. But if you ask the average person, they're like, oh, it's going to be some guy who's going to come. And he's, you know, and don't take the mark of the beast because if you get it on your hand and on your forehead, you won't be able to buy or sell. And so, um, you know, I think that, that the context for that would be in ancient Rome, uh, you had to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. You had to acknowledge Nero as, as your God mm-hmm. for you to buy or sell, mm-hmm. right? For you to have commerce with Rome and Rome controlled commerce all over the Mediterranean. That was a known world of its time. Mm. So when the Bible used the term the world, you know, if you're talking in the time of Jesus, the world, the world. would have been the Mediterranean, right? Africa. The world of, as we you know, know it. Yeah, like, you know, they wouldn't have known about America. They wouldn't have known about certain parts of right. Asia. So there you go. Keep it in context. Keep it in context. Okay. Well, thank you all. This has been very uh, eye-opening, very insightful. I learned a few new things about uh, Nero, and um, it was a very uh, touchy, scary subject. I don't even want to say the other names of Shaitan. Don't say it. I hate it. Go ahead. Beelzebub. I hate that. that Now, where does that come from? Beelzebub actually is a uh, mistranslation. It's Beelzebowl, and uh, Beelzebowl means... The Lord of of the dung heap, dung being shit, right? Like, so he's the Lord of shit. Another translation, Beelzebub, would actually be Lord of the flies. And so Satan, where do flies gather? They gather on refuse. They gather on a carcass, on dead things, on things that are rotting, on shit, right? Like, so what is so where so is the, the connotation? This? Is that Jesus used the name Beelzebub? And um, many people feel it was another term for Satan. So I'm glad you brought that up. And so it's this idea that Satan is the Lord of everything that's corrupting, everything that's perishing, everything that's rotting. Mm-hmm. Get it? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Lord of the flies. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Well, Look behind you. Okay. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Until next time, everyone. <laughs>